We're going to jump right into the message today. I want to get right to our theme verse, which is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And, uh, and this is our theme verse. It says that we are God, say this with me, masterpiece. Now, when you think of masterpiece, I want you to remember God is the master creator, the master artist. And a masterpiece is the artist's greatest work. So if I could just be real with you today, you are God's greatest work. And you may not feel like his greatest work. You might feel like a kindergartner's watercolor. Come on, somebody. Like you, you ever, you know, I'm not a masterpiece. Yes, you are. You're a masterpiece. That's what God says about you. And, uh, and he says that he's created you new. So when, when, he, when, when you gave your life to Jesus, then he didn't give you an improved you. He gave you a new you, all right? You've got a blank slate, a clean page, a blank canvas. And he's created you new in Christ Jesus so you can do good things. Now notice, you're not saved for, you're not saved by your good works, right? You're saved by grace. But you are saved to do good works, because how will anybody else know about Jesus if we're not doing good works, right? So we're saved to, to do these good things to help other people come to know Jesus. And these things were planned long ago. That just means that before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, God had a plan for your life. God knew about you. He had a plan for you. And so this is our theme verse. And it's important, I think, just for you to, to know that I, I get it. I, I think God gets it. That sometimes we feel like in life we have this pressure to change immediately. We have this pressure to go from here to here. You ever felt that before? You just have this pressure to change overnight. And I want to just kind of give you some encouragement today to let you know that I don't think God expects you to go from here to here by tomorrow. But I, I think what he wants for us is to go from here to here. And then to hear and to just keep growing, to keep maturing, for him to keep working in us, for him to keep making us the masterpiece that he's always intended for us to be. Come on, somebody. There's hope in that. And so there's not this, there's not this uh, desire that we have to go from, you know, way down here to superhuman Christian by tomorrow. That's not, that's not God's will for us. It is little by little we're being transformed. We're being changed. We're being made into this masterpiece that he's created us to be. Now... One step closer, one step at a time, one step at a time. So last week, we talked about transformation, okay? Uh, today, we're going to talk about freedom. So everybody say freedom. freedom. Okay, now give it the William Wallace freedom. You know you want to. You know you want to. Anybody? Freedom! Right? You just get that, get some blue paint on our faces, we'd be ready to go. So um, we, we all have our own ideas of what freedom is, and we're going to look at it through the lens of the Apostle Paul, okay? Paul was, he was far from God, and God met him in a radical way. He gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he began planting churches all across Europe and Asia. And then he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote letters to them, and those letters became two-thirds of our New Testament, Okay? And so when he would write letters to his churches, his churches just happened to be in pretty vile and corrupt areas. I mean, just like this anything goes kind of culture that Paul was in. And so he would write these letters explaining what freedom is, helping them discover and live out the freedom that God had for them. And so we're going to use that as our background, as our study today. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and it says that it is for freedom 
that Christ set us free. If you've ever wondered, does God have an agenda for my life? Yes, he does. And that agenda is freedom. It's, it's for you to be set free. So it is for freedom that Christ set us free. So what do I do about that? I've got to stand firm in that freedom and not, don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Have you ever, have you ever just had that moment where you, you gave your life to God, you, you committed, man, you started serving God, and you felt like, I can tackle the world, I can, I'm, I'm changed, man. And then like, the next day, you're right back to the thing that you didn't want to do again. Is, that, is anybody else just, just me, right? And, and so it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, you probably have an idea of what, freedom looks like for you, right? I mean, when I think about freedom, I think about fireworks, Roman candles, baby. Like just, you know what I'm saying? Like, like hashtag America, <laughs> right? You, you think of 4th of July, it's, it's a big deal. For some of you students in the room today, when you think of freedom, you probably think last day of school before summer break, right? Freedom, and it seems so long. Summer break seems so long. For the adults in the room, it's five o'clock on Friday, right? That's freedom. Come on, going home for the weekend. Can we just put this on Groundhog Day, repeat over and over again? Just always be off for the weekend. And uh, maybe, maybe for some of you, it's paying off the credit card. And, and, and you call into Dave Ramsey and you give the whole, we're debt free, scream, it's freedom, right? Or uh, paying off the house. I don't know what that one feels like, but uh, I, I want to one day. For some of you, freedom might feel more like dropping your kids off at the grandparents' house, the babysitter. And then you're like, hey, we're leaving for a week. We're not coming back, right? It's just a little freedom. For some of you, it might sound a little something like this. Yeah, I got some Lee Greenwood in the house. Yeah. So you got, you got, that, you got that patriotism, which, by the way, can I, just, can I just say that I love the sound of the T-6 and the T-38 around Wichita Falls just constantly flying in our airspace. Come on, that's the sound of freedom. Let's thank our military men and women today. Hey, we love you. We honor you. Yeah. I love, I love being in Wichita Falls with Shepherd Air Force Base. It's so incredible. And, and no matter what you think freedom is, the reality is it's not, a, it's not an emotion and it's not a patriotism, okay? Real freedom is this inward feeling that there's, that there's an inward reality that I don't have to be what I used to be anymore, that God is working inside of me. He's moving in me, and, and, and here's the thing. I've got to choose to walk in that freedom because if we, if we don't stand firm in it, guess what? We'll lose it. If we don't stand firm in the freedom, we'll lose the freedom. And the enemy is constantly working. He's constantly trying to keep you in bondage to your shame, to your guilt, to your condemnation, to fear, depression, and anxiety. He's constantly trying to keep you bound up. And, and Jesus came, though, to free you from that stuff. He came to set you free. He wants, what God wants to do is work the brushstroke of transformation, the brushstroke of freedom in your lives, but we've got to let him do it, Okay. So the question of the day is, how do we live in freedom? Pastor Ben, I want to be free, but how do I do it? How do I live in freedom? And I want to show you, I'm going to show you that in a moment, but first I want to tell you what true freedom is and where you find true freedom. Are you ready? Okay, so 
Good news is, freedom has a home address. Like, you can find freedom in this place every single time. It's always there. It never goes anywhere. It's, it's found in first, 2 Corinthians 3, 17. And it says, where the, the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, that's where freedom is. So where the spirit of God is, that's where freedom is. Where do I find freedom, Pastor Ben? In God's presence. Where do I find freedom, Pastor Ben? Where the spirit of the Lord is. That's where you find it. And so let me say it this way. Freedom and God's spirit are always connected. I'll say it a different way. Freedom and the lordship of Jesus Christ are always connected. Now, now, lordship is not a term we use a lot today. Okay, we don't walk around being like, man, my boss, he has the best lordship ever. <laughs> Nobody says that, right? But lordship is, the way I like to explain it, is that lordship is, it, it's a domain that has a specific ruler and a specific boundary. That's what lordship is. So a king is a ruler, right? And, and as a ruler, he has specific boundaries to his rulership, to his lordship. And so he has complete dominion inside of that kingdom, but it's only good within that kingdom. And here's what I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear this, that there is freedom inside the lordship of Jesus Christ that you cannot find anywhere else. So if you get outside of his kingdom, if you get outside of his lordship, you won't find that freedom anywhere else. You can only find it in Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. So, so a lot of us, we feel like freedom, freedom shouldn't have boundaries, but freedom absolutely has boundaries. And we don't want to hear that because we live in 2021, right? Come on, we just do, we do our own thing. I mean, th th this is the modern age, Pastor Ben. We don't want to talk about boundaries. We don't want to talk about restrictions. We don't want to talk about any of that stuff because we have our idealized version of what freedom really is. And for some of us, in your notes, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Some of us, we think that f freedom is living with no boundaries. Like Vicki Valancourt from, from Waterboy. I can do whatever I want. Well, let's just see how that works out for you. Let, let's, let's try that and just see how it works out. I can do whatever I want, when I want, with whoever I want. I, no restrictions, Pastor Ben. I get to just live how I want to live. No restraint. And, and there's, there's no place in America like that, no other place like that in America than in Las Vegas, right? <laughs> Where what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now, if you've been to Vegas, I'm not harping on you, all right? But the only reason we know that statement, it's not because it's true, by the way. It's because of a great marketing campaign that started in 2003. When Vegas was, uh, they were teetering on the edge of, uh, of going under. I mean, they needed revenue. They, they needed people visiting I mean, it just becomes something that people weren't interested in anymore. And they had to find a way to get people back. We got to get people back into town. We got to build our revenue. So what did they do? They researched for 12 months until they found the niche. And that was, they, they discovered what they came up with. What, what they realized was, um, what, was that they, they concluded that what people wanted was they wanted a place where they could pretend to be someone that they weren't. 
They, people wanted a place where they, they could be someone that they couldn't be at home. So, therefore, what happens in Vegas, it stays in Vegas. But the only problem with that is it's an illusion. And so they felt like if we, if we could create this illusion where people feel like what they do here stays here, then maybe they'll pay to come here. Maybe they'll pay a price for this freedom that, that, that they can have. And uh, by the way, it's, it's not real freedom. It's a marketing campaign. And what, what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. You're liable to come home with something you can't wash off when you go to Vegas. So it, it doesn't stay there. It, it follows you home. And, and why is it that we're willing to pay a price for something like that? By the way, newsflash, we serve a God who already paid a price for our freedom. We don't have to find that freedom anywhere else. It's found in Jesus Christ. Can I get a witness with that? Yeah. It's already found in him. So it kind of reminds me of, of Thanksgiving dinner, right? Um, how many of you Thanksgiving fans in the house? Any Thanksgiving? Uh, how, what about Christmas? Christmas, folks? I like Thanksgiving better than Christmas because you get all the food, but you don't have to do the gifts. Come on. You don't have to do that. And I know that. I mean, I know Christmas is Lord the, celebrating Jesus and all. I get, I get all that too. But, I mean, there's nothing like Thanksgiving, watching football and eating food all day, right? Well, m most of the year... I, I can restrain myself when I'm eating, right? If I, if I go out to eat, if I go to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to get that cool wrap with some creamy salsa dressing, and I'm not going to upsize it, and I won't, even, I won't even get a cookie unless they ask, and then I might, <laughs> right? But I'm, a, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go there, right? But I'm, I'm going to restrain myself. I'm not getting all the, kind of, all the different foods up there. I'm just going to get that one thing, and I restrain myself on, on a regular basis, but on Thanksgiving, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, that, that table is spread with food. Everybody's brought the goodies over. And you start with the turkey and the ham and the dressing and the stuffing and the casserole and the homemade cranberry sauce that came right out of the ocean spray can. Still got the lines on it. <laughs> homemade, right? Oh, but it's so good. And what do you do? You go up there and... If you're like me, you, go, you get everything on the counter and then you go back for seconds. And then what do you do? You, you're like, I can't move. I got I to gotta sit down. I got I to gotta rest. What did we do? We, we didn't have any restraints. We, we, just, we just gorged ourselves and now we're paying the price. And that's, I know that's a kind of a funny illustration, but some of you today, you're paying the price. You're paying the price for the way that you've lived. You're paying the price for the decisions that you've made, for the things that you've done, and you're, you're battling insecurity and depression and loneliness and fear and anxiety. You're, you're battling uh, things that the enemy, like the, the guilt and the shame and all of those things. And, and if that's not you, then maybe you're teetering on that edge. If, if you're not there yet, maybe you're fantasizing about it and you're thinking, man, if I could just have that relationship, if I could just do that thing... If I could just indulge in this, this thing without getting caught or with, without paying the price, then I would do it in a heartbeat. And you're on the edge. So you're, you're either living with no boundaries or maybe, maybe number two, you're living with your own boundaries. And so you're, you're just calling the shots. And we, we like this one because we get to be in control when we call our own shots, right? 
But the problem with calling your own shots is Jesus isn't Lord of your life. If, if you're calling your own shots, Jesus isn't, the, there's no lordship. Is that making sense to you today? And we all know someone like this who called their own shots. They graduated high school. They said, man, I'm doing my own thing. I'm out of here. I'm sick and tired of authority. I'm pushing the limits. I'm go, go hard or go home. And now you look at their life on social media and you see depression and you see this, you see this, this person who's miserable with their life because they're living in their own boundaries. And, and I'm just telling you today that God has a better way. God has a better way. And that is number three, that's where, why we've got to live in God's boundaries. That God sets boundaries for us. He gives us he gives us some parameters in life. And so the absolute best place to find freedom is in the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's in his call, his purpose, his plan for your life. It's right there in his lordship. Now, I think the best way I could explain this to you is, is, uh, is through a fishbowl, all right? I'm just kind of kind of show you, show you this fishbowl. Now, um, I don't have, um, where that fishbowl at? There we go. Come on, bring it up, baby. Bring it up. Bring up that fishbowl. Bring up that. There it is. There it is. Right, there it is. Now, this is not our fish. We don't have pets, okay? Because we're trying to keep four boys alive. So we don't, have, we don't have pets at our house. They've begged for years, and we've said no up until now. We don't have them. So now look at this fish, right? It's, it's in a fish bowl. It's... Uh, it's, it's nice, it's got water, it has some boundaries, doesn't it? Fishbowl has, it has boundaries. And, and if I asked you today, is this fish free, what would you say? You'd say no. Like, no, it's not free. I mean, it's confined, it's in water, it's got these boundaries. But when we look at it from a deeper perspective, we begin to realize maybe it is free. And here's what I mean, because a fish has gills, not lungs. You take that fish out of the fishbowl, you put it out on the, out on the counter, what do you have? Dead fish. Dead fish. Just ask Nemo, right? I mean, it, it's not going to last long. And, and it has fins, not feet. Right? So it can't walk. It can't go anywhere. It has some limitations. It has some barriers, some boundaries. It needs to be in water. Okay, Pastor Ben, you, you got me there. It's, it's definitely got to be in water, but it doesn't have to be in this fishbowl. I mean, this fishbowl is confining the fish and it limits the fish this fish isn't going to get to experience all of the adventures of under the sea right? it's going to miss out on so many things have you ever heard that before in life like i'm just going to miss out on so much mom and dad I, I, if, if you don't let me do this i'm going to miss out on all that the world has to offer which might not be a bad thing might not be a bad thing and so if you take this fish out of the bowl and you put it in the, the lake, you put it in the sea, it might become seafood. It might become lunch for somebody else. It might become lunch for a bigger fish, right? And so while we think that this fishbowl has limitations and it's, it, 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 it's confining, the reality is it's actually freeing because this fish never, never has to worry about the predator. This fish never has to worry about uh, somebody going to... Um, eat him for lunch, right? Because not all the fish in the sea are friendly, right? 
Not all, not all fish believe that fish are friends, not food. Not all of them believe that. So when you look at this, you think, well, he's not free, but maybe he is free. Maybe the boundaries are actually helpful for him. Am I making sense to anybody? So let me, let me say it this way. In the same way, God's boundaries are not restrictive. They're not restraining. God's boundaries are freeing. And his boundaries enable us to live the life that he's always intended us to live through his son, Jesus Christ. His boundaries under his lordship are, it's, it's freedom. It's freedom there. And so um, the question is, how do we do it then? Okay, we know where freedom is. We know what it looks like. But how do we remain in freedom? How do we stand firm in freedom? And I want to take a look at, at Paul again, who gives us an incredible way to just stand firm in freedom. It's 1 Corinthians 6. It says that I have the right, I have the right to do anything. By the way, Paul is he's writing this, and he's kind of using air quotes here. He's like, well, Pastor Ben, I can do whatever I want to. I have the right to do anything. And as human beings, you do. You absolutely have the right to do whatever you want to. And, and it's your choice. It's your body. It's your life. It's, 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 do it. But Paul says, you, you can do that, but it's not beneficial for you. So not everything that happens is beneficial for you. Well, Pastor Ben, I have the right to do anything. And he says, but I will not be mastered by anything. And let me help you understand why he's writing this to them. Because this is Corinth, and they were pretty corrupt. And he's writing this letter to, to the church there because they had, began, they had begun excusing their behavior as Christians. And they were like, well, well Paul, we got saved, man. And, and because, because we gave our life to Jesus Christ, because he forgave all of our sins, now we can, we can live however we want to. So they started acting like they had a license to continue sinning. And if it wasn't that, then it was... Uh, this idea that, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this issue. But here's the thing, that even though the Bible may not say anything specifically about that, um, need to know this, that if it's destructive for you, it's still not right. If it's leading you away from God, it's, it's not healthy for you. It's not good. And then there were some people who, they were using their, their you know, freedom in Christ. I can do anything and it was hurting other believers. And if you're hurting other people, that's not right. And so Paul is addressing that. He's saying, guys, not everything is beneficial for you. And so the way I'd like to show it to you this morning is, is through this little, little illustration. I got, some, I got some great water here. This is, this is anything water. How many of you like some of this anything water? I mean, I'm happy to pour you a cup of it, just anything, Right? And all of, all of your anything is in here. I can do whatever I want to, Pastor Ben. You're right. It's right here. And then what about this one? This, is, uh, this would be the not everything filter, though. And what Paul did was he figured out a way to take anything and to filter it into a not everything is beneficial kind of lifestyle. And I want to show you how to do that this morning. I'm going to give you a freedom filter, Okay. So in order to stand firm in freedom, there's a filter that I want to give you today, and, uh, and it's in your notes, so get ready to write this down. It's three questions I want us to ask. And number one is, is it pleasing to God? Is this thing that I'm concerned about, if I do this, is it going to be pleasing to God? I'm, I'm trying to filter anything. I can do anything, but I want to I filter it into this, 
not everything filter, is it pleasing? So how do I know if it's pleasing? How do I know if God is pleased with it? Well, John 8 says this. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. So how do we know if we're his, his disciples? We hold to his teaching, right? And if we do that, we're his disciples. And then if, if we hold to his teaching, then we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Well, what's the truth? What's the truth? The B-I-B-L-E. I mean, come on, that's the truth. And, and by the way, the Bible is not just a good book to read. It's not just something that you, it's not just a good devotional tool that you do a verse of the day. The Bible is so much more than that. The Bible is a roadmap to your life. And it will help you, it will speak to you, it will guide you, it will direct you, it will encourage you, it will help you know whether it's pleasing to God. And I remember when I, when I, I grew up in church my whole life, from the time I was born, just on, we were always in church, and we read the King James Version, right? The only problem was I couldn't understand it. I was a little, little bit slower in, uh, in developing and reading, and so... I had a hard time understanding the King James Version. It's, I'm, not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it was hard for me to understand. And so I remember after I got saved around 14, I went to a Christian bookstore and I bought a New Living Translation Life Application Study Bible. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? And for the first time in my life, I began to understand what the Bible was actually saying to me. Even though I grew up in church, I knew the scriptures. I could memorize. I, I, I knew some of that stuff. But for the first time, I was beginning to see, and, and a, a life application just has commentary, like, hey, this is what that means. And you go, oh, now I understand. But another way that you, can, that you can find freedom, that you can apply this, is through a small group, right? How, how do I know if it's pleasing? Get in a small group. Begin to talk, uh, talk to people about what's going on in your life. Take off the mask. Get in a group, like, like begin to just uh, learn and grow and mature and hear what other believers have gone through, and you'll, you'll begin to learn what's pleasing to God. So, so is it pleasing? Number two, is it upholding my convictions? Is it upholding my convictions? Now, um, I, I want you to know that you have, con like, God can give you separate convictions, right? Everybody else can... You, one person over here can have convictions that another person over here doesn't have. And that's because the Holy Spirit gives that to you. Now, Paul shares a little bit about his convictions in Romans 14. I'm going to set this up for you really quick. But the reason he's talking about, he's talking about food here. And the reason he's talking about food is because um, there was an argument on whether Jews should eat clean food or unclean food. Jewish people had a really strict diet uh, uh, diet, and so they couldn't eat certain foods. But now all of a sudden, like, people are saying, you can eat whatever you want, and there's this argument about it. And so Paul addresses it, but I think it could apply to anything. And Paul says, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat, or if you have doubts about whether you should do something, I don't know if the Lord wants, I, don't, I just don't feel comfortable about it, but you go ahead and do it, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it, he says. All right, next verse. He says, for, for you are not following your convictions if you do that. If you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. So explain this to me, Pastor Ben. 
Well, Paul shows us that the Holy Spirit will give us specific convictions. Some of you feel a certain way about one thing, and others of you, you don't have that conviction, right? And, and um, so he, he explains it that they're unique. These convictions are unique to us. And it's, it's about our journey. It's personalized. And that's why we can never put our conviction onto somebody else. Because it's personalized to that person. It's why at the end of every message, I always ask the same question. I'll do it again in a moment. I'll always ask, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? I'm asking, what's he convicting you of? What's he speaking to you? Because someone over here is going to hear something different than someone over here. And, and often, you guys will come up to me and say, well, Pastor Ben, it, when you said this, it made a difference in my life. And I'm thinking, I didn't say that. Who said it to you then? The Holy Spirit. It was something the Holy Spirit spoke to you. And so we've got to ask, am I, is this thing, can, can I uphold my convictions with this thing? All right? Now, um, number three is, is this. Is it representing God's love? Is this thing helping me live out God's will for my life? Is it helping me carry out the great commission, the thing that God has called me to do. That after I get saved, what Jesus called us to do was go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? So is this, is it representing God's love? Is it going to help me represent his love? 1 Corinthians 9, 19 says that though I am free, Paul says, I I don't belong to anybody. I can do anything I want, but I'm not going to. He says, I've made myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win people to Christ, to help people experience the love and the compassion and the joy of Jesus Christ. In other words, what he says is, I'm going to live my life a certain way that honors and glorifies God. At the same time, I'm not going to be a stumbling block to my brothers around me. Okay, I'm not going to cause somebody else to stumble. In Galatians 5.13, he says, for you've been called, church, you, brothers and sisters, you have been called to live in freedom. All right? But don't use, just because you have freedom, just because you can do anything, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. But what am I supposed to do then? Instead, he says, I want you to serve one another in love. Represent God's love to people around you. And I don't know, um, I don't know if you caught that, but Paul is basically saying, I'm not going to, I'm going to be careful what I do. I'm going to lay down my rights because it's not about what I get to to do. It's about what I get to give. And I get to give God's love. I get to give his freedom. I get to give his hope to people around me. And and I don't know if you caught it or not, but but our, our freedom filter spells pure. Little, little preacher humor there all right here's the thing Uh, all of this has been building to this moment that this this filter just it doesn't just represent someone's it doesn't just represent an illustration it represents someone's life it's the life of Brittany Brittany her life started off pretty rough at three her parents were divorced At age seven, she was molested. Didn't tell her parents. Didn't tell anybody. She was afraid no one would believe her. 
Who can I tell? Who can I go to? Her stepmom would verbally, physically, spiritually abuse her. And while she vocalized that, no one held her accountable. So she, she grows up in this pain and this trauma. That turns into depression and anxiety. She begins to mask that with drugs and alcohol whatever else she could find to just ease the pain. Years later, at 21, she becomes pregnant with a son. And after years of dealing with alcohol and drug addiction, she's, she's thinking, well, maybe I can finally kick this. Maybe, now that I have something to live for, I have a son to live for, maybe I, can, maybe I can just leave this old life behind. But five weeks later, her dad was brutally murdered. The depression deepens. The addiction, it changes. She gives up the hard stuff, but she, she remains addicted to alcohol and marijuana. Common use for her. Struggle. Fast forward several years. She's in probation. And she meets her now husband, who by the way at the time was a assistant district attorney I think that's pretty awesome right pretty good place to meet he introduces her to God and for the first time she begins to have a little hope that maybe my life can be different than what I've always experienced maybe maybe I don't have to deal with all this pain and this trauma maybe my life can be different they visited churches they came to City Hope before the pandemic back at McNeil when we were meeting at the, the middle school and then the pandemic hit her, her depression continued. The, the cycle continued. In her words, her life was complete turmoil. Alcohol addiction increased. We kept on. In fact, she said there was nowhere that I, I, I would, there's nowhere I wouldn't go where I, where I wouldn't smoke or drink before I went. Even my kid's birthday. Smoked and I drank before that. Fast forward to September of last year, the pandemic's kind of lifting a little bit. We came back to have services here. They came in, if I remember right, it was one day in September. They walked in and for the first time, she experiences the presence of God. It could change your life. And, and yeah, and she sat week after week. She kept coming back, sitting right over here. And the tears would flow down her face as she's in the presence of God. And she's, she's thinking, man, what, where, where's this been all my life, right? And so she, keep, she keeps coming back and she, she hears us over and over again say, give God a year of your life. Give him a year of your life and see if God won't transform you. See if he won't change you. See if, he, if, see if a year from now, if you're the same person, you won't be. And so she gave her life to Jesus. of course nothing happens overnight right just little by little the transformation starts happening little by little God's doing a work in her little God, little by little God's God's changing her he's setting her free and so she she gets baptized January January of this year goes through a freedom small group where she begins to see that 
there's hope and there's freedom from the things that she's gone through in life. And she begins to see that God is so much bigger. She learns that she can forgive the people who've hurt her and she can forgive herself. And then they go through something that we call the growth track. And they just are committing their lives to God. Little by little, God's working in them, changing them, moving in Brittany's life. Start serving on the dream team. Start making a difference with their serve, with their gifts and with their talents. And I'm just here to tell you today, that if he can do it for Brittany, he can do it for you. If he can do it for her, he can do it for you. And earlier we talked about what does freedom look like? Is it fireworks? Is it Lee Greenwood? Hey, why don't you take a look at what real freedom looks like right here? Come on, somebody. That's what real freedom looks like. Jesus said in John, Chapter 8, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I believe that. Do you believe that today? Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes and let me ask you that question. I told you I was going to ask, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's He speaking to you? What's He whispering to you? What is it in your life? He's not speaking the same thing to anybody else. What is it in you? He's speaking to you today. What needs to change? Where does, where do, what needs to be freed in your life? Where do you need to be set free? And if you're here today and you say, Ben, I'm living my life so far from God. I'm living with no boundaries. I'm doing things my way. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm just living my own, my own deal. Maybe you're outside of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Maybe like Brittany, walking through the doors and for the first time today, you're experiencing his love and his mercy, his compassion, his grace. You know he's here. You're far from him, but you wanna, you, you wanna surrender to his lordship. You wanna come inside of his boundaries and you're ready today to acknowledge him as Lord and Savior of your life. If I'm talking to you on the count of three, I want you to boldly, confidently, with all you've got, I want you to lift up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I'm going all in. Thank you. I see you in the back. Anybody else? Two. Anybody else? That's me, Pastor Ben. I'm ready to go all in. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you over here. Anybody else? I'm ready to I'm going all in. Jesus is the Lord of my life, the Savior of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave here different today. I'm going to surrender to his lordship. I'm going to surrender to his power in my life. Thank you. Come on, with every, every head bowed, every eye closed, let's say this prayer together. For the three people who slipped up their hands today, come on, say, Jesus, I give you my life. Will you forgive me for doing things my way? Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. A new beginning. give you everything I'm sorry for doing things my way from this day forward I want you to be my Lord be my Savior I'll live in your boundaries the best that I know how in Jesus name Amen Amen come on let's thank God today let's thank God for his presence